Miami is a year-round destination that's extremely popular. It has everything you can ask for in a vacation destination. Excellent beaches, amazing shopping, delicious food, and music and dancing until the wee hours of the morning. Miami also hosts festivals that cater to every taste and is home to the museums that capture your attention. And if you love sports like I do, every major sports league is represented, so there's always a game to attend, no matter what time of the year you show up. The We Travel There podcast helps you travel like a local by interviewing guests from around the world to uncover the hidden gems of their city by finding out the best things to do, eat, drink, and see from a local's point of view. Using airline miles and hotel points makes travel affordable, but keeping track of all those loyalty programs can be a challenge. That's why I use AwardWall to track my miles and points balances, reservations, and special goodies like free hotel night certificates and airline companion passes. Having everything in one easy-to-use dashboard helps ensure that I don't lose any rewards and makes logging into my accounts super easy. Go to wetravelthere.com forward slash award wallet to start your free account. Hey, Jen, how are you doing today? Hi, Lee. I'm doing really well. How are you? I'm doing perfect. I'm actually really fun going to be talking about one of my favorite cities in Florida. It's called Miami. So what's your connection with Miami? Well, I first got to Miami when I was accepted to Florida International University. It's a small college about nine miles away from University of Miami, and I attended school there for four years. I went away for law school to University of Maryland in Baltimore, which was great, but the whole time I thought to myself, why did I ever leave South Florida? (laughs) So I went back after, and I lived in Fort Lauderdale for a couple of years, four years or so, and the Fort Lauderdale-Miami area are very close, about 40 minutes from each other. And yeah, I love South Florida. I've just recently moved away from there to transition to digital nomad life and and living in some other places. But I've lived in South Florida for almost 10 years, and it's one of my favorite places on earth. Nice. And so obviously you lived there for a number of years. If you can kind of like sum it down into like one or two words of the city or the people, how would you describe it? I think it is such a vibrant place. You will not find anywhere else like South Florida. The sun is shining all of the time. There is rhythmic music that's playing on the radio station, reggaeton, which is my favorite. It's a really just very alive city in in a different way than some of the other bigger cities like New York or LA or Chicago. It's just very tropical, very, it's a place that you feel like you're on vacation, but people actually live there. Oh, Absolutely. We were talking about the weather a little bit. You live there. You obviously moved away uh, <laughs> up the East Coast. And I think it, probably when the, the winter happened is when it really kind of struck you. It's like, wait a minute, maybe I need to go back to Florida. Absolutely. It's when you think, why did I make this horrible decision (laughs) to leave? There's a meme that circulates every year around that time where the rest of Florida likes to taunt the U.S. And it's a map of the weather of the U.S., everybody in kind of like freezing weather with horrible storms. And then Florida has like 80 degrees and sunny. And they they love to send that around social media when it comes to be that time. So I was definitely just looking at that meme, really regretting my decision. Oh, absolutely. So Obviously, the weather is, is really nice there most year round. Like, is there a best time of the year to visit? I think that you should visit depending on what you want to see. 
So if you just want to be at the beach, I would avoid any kind of like big holidays actually, because South Beach gets so crowded on something like Memorial Day or, you know, 4th of July, things like that. You definitely don't want to come there. So if you want to go to South Beach, you want to tan, you kind of just want to sit there and have that experience. You should go on a random weekend, you know, on a, on a weekend getaway that you have from work, even better if you do so like kind of early March, you know, it's really nice all year round. So you can get that experience year round. It does get colder in some months, like December or so it can drop down into like the fifties. And when it does, you'll see the entire city dressed in like Ugg boots. <laughs> <laughs> they break out their full on Arctic attire for 50 degrees. So it's really, it's, it's rare, but it does happen. So I would say, you know, aimed for maybe the shoulder months, if you really want to have that experience, or if you want to attend, because there's something big going on, there's so much happening in Miami that you could be going to the Art Basel Festival. It usually happens in December. You could be doing a, you know, a chili cook-off. You could go to all kinds of the Miami International Book Fair. They have a lot of big events that happen throughout the year. Nice. And I think when you were mentioning earlier about avoiding the crowds, uh, you and I both used to work in the corporate world. Instead of waiting for those three-day weekends from the holidays, I think like what you and I used to do is... We would take off on a Friday and a Monday, so that way you're only using two vacation days, and that way you get four days worth of vacation, and you can still avoid those three-day weekends. Absolutely. I think that's one of the best tips. Even if, You don't even have to take both. I mean, you can really add it on. If you do get a three-day weekend, I think you can extend it out to be almost a week if you use that tactic and you use the three days and then add on the two bookending days. But you don't even have to take both. You could just add on a, an extra day. I would take like a Monday and just really go somewhere local here in the U.S. I explored San Francisco in like, you know, 48 hours, Cuba even. It's 90 minutes away from Miami. So there's so much that you can do in a short time. And it's such a relief to have that break from the monotony of the nine to five, you know, the corporate job and to have something to look forward to. Oh, for sure. And so there's a lot, obviously, like Miami's a pretty big city. There's a lot going on there. What are some of the best things to do in your mind? Well, I love the Miami International Book Fair. I was just there this past November, and it was phenomenal. I mean, they really span out. They go all over the place. I mean, they have people from self-published authors, and I'm an author myself, so it's really a draw for book nerds. They have a lot of presentations. They have a lot of food trucks. They have people that come in from all different walks of life to kind of come and celebrate literature, which is not something that you see very often. It's actually the largest book fair in North America. Oh. Yeah, it's, it's really wonderful, and it's every year, so I definitely recommend that. The South Beach Food and Wine Festival is very classy. That's a great place to go if you want to see, you know, top chefs, if you want to kind of have a really gourmet experience. That's a wonderful event to come for. I recommend, if you like techno music, I'm not a big fan. So the Ultra Music Festival is kind of like a version of Coachella, but for like just kind of electronic music specifically. So I would personally avoid ultra, but for some people that that's their gig. I mean, people really come from all over the world. They pay for VIP tickets and they do get some of the biggest DJs out for that festival. Oh, wow. And then obviously, uh, number one thing to do in Miami is the beach, right? So there's the beach. And then I, I'm a big sports fan. And so they have all the professional sports. They have baseball, basketball, hockey's nearby, football. Do you go to any of those sports when you're down there or are you not much of a sports fan? I actually am not much of a sports fan, but when I'm in Miami, I convert because it's such a nice atmosphere in some areas. So Miami does have a bad reputation. Their fans are kind of called fickle fans. And <laughs> I mean, the Marlins, I think we're going to the World Series and they still had empty stadiums. So it was 
it's not, you kind of have to win them over, but once you do, like the heat games are always packed. There's always celebrities. It's indoors, so it's air conditioned. I mean, it's just a very, people go in their like finest club attire to heat games. So it's <laughs> an, it's a very interesting setting at the American Airlines Arena. It's, it's Bayside. I mean, it's really, it's a nice place to be. So I like that atmosphere and I have gone to quite a few heat games, both in the nose seats and, you know, getting the really exclusive good seats where you can be like, you know, inches away from Jay-Z or whatever the case may be. Awesome. And kind of speaking of celebrities and things of that nature, one of the hotels in the South Beach area is, is really well known for like celebrity sightings. Which one is that? That would be the Fountain Blue. It's one of the most renowned hotels in the area and just has a lot going on. It has a very popular nightclub. It has a really great steakhouse. It has a really renowned spa. So it's very expensive to stay there, but it's an exclusive place. And people go sometimes just to take advantage of the facilities and just be there for the day and be able to soak it all in. Oh, absolutely. When people are coming into Miami and we're talking about all these different cool things to do, is it something where they need to rent a car or is it public transportation? What's the best way to get around? So I would suggest getting a car because public transportation is not a big thing in Miami. It's not like New York or, you know, any other big city, D.C. that has a lot of subways or anything like that. There really isn't a subway. There's some buses. I mean, the routes aren't. I just wouldn't recommend taking public transportation. I mean, the one exception would be the Metro Mover that's for the downtown area that sometimes for crowded events can help you avoid the $40 an hour parking fee and park further away and still kind of access the games, the heat games and things like that. But that's a very limited kind of just loop that it does around the main attractions there. So that doesn't take you at all. Miami's so expansive, like it really spans out beyond just the beach and there's no public transport really up and down the beach that I would recommend taking other than just like walking or riding a bike or rollerblading, which people do. So I would say rent a car you need it. Okay. Do you have any tips as far as being able to find more inexpensive parking? Parking is such a pain. Look for the public lots. So especially in South Beach, because they will charge you, they mean the private lots can charge you whatever, and they can charge you so much money depending on the event that's going on. They'll really upcharge you, but the public lots are kind of limited on what they can charge because it's public. And so they have a set rate. And the problem is they fill up quick. But if you like Google it and look online, like Miami Beach public parking lots, you'll see the map and they're a few streets away from each other. But I've driven down, you know, like up to South Beach is on Fifth Avenue, Fifth and Collins. And if you go, I've driven to like 40th to be able to <laughs> you know, find parking at a public lot and been lucky to have found that spot. So it can really get crazy. Oh, wow. I think. The way you describe it, Miami is more of a car culture, kind of like LA, which like people want to be seen in their cars. They don't want to be seen on the bus. They want to be seen driving, even if it's a rental, even if it's a lease, they want to be seen driving that flashy vehicle. Especially in that South Beach area, because that's where you'll see like the music videos being filmed or the different, you know, celebrity sightings. That's where people are the flashiest. A lot of the actual kind of day-to-day stuff of Miami happens outside of South Beach, just more inland, more towards the West. But I would say that people there still have the same thing. They do take pride in the cars that they drive, even though they drive like crazy people. So (laughs) you will see an accident when you're in Miami at some point in time. Just pray that you're not part of one, but you will definitely see one. I've seen so many. (laughs) And then as far as for people to get to Miami, there's a couple different airport choices, right? There are. So Miami International Airport puts you right in the middle, right smack dab in the middle of Little Havana which is the area that's like, so if you go from South Beach and you start heading West, you're going to pass Brickell. And then after that is when you'll hit kind of the Little Havana area, the 8th Street, very popular 
place for Cuban culture. And then you go beyond there, you'll hit a bunch of other neighborhoods as well. And it really, the city keeps growing so much that they're expanding. They keep converting swamp land into actual plots where people can build homes and just they keep expanding more and more west. So it can go pretty far. So Miami International Airport puts you about 20 minutes or so from South Beach and from most other places in Miami as well. You can also fly into Fort Lauderdale Airport, which is about 40 minutes north. You'll have to take I-95 down, so definitely be careful for those crazy drivers. (laughs) (laughs) It's really bad because it's a mix of like retired people and then also like kind of young, crazy ultra music festival attending people. So it's people that are like going ridiculously fast (laughs) and then people that are going like 10 miles an hour. It's just, it's chaotic. So it's almost like the video game Frogger, right? Yes. Trying to avoid the cars as you're weaving in and out. Yes, absolutely. It's really, it's challenging. And for somebody that's their first time there, they're going to be like, oh my God, where am I? This would be stressful to drive there. But if you take the streets, it's a little bit better than if you take the major highways. There's three major highways, I-95, 836, and 826. And they go essentially north and south and east and west. Okay. Um, but you can take the streets either way. And and they're all numbered streets and, and avenues so that people can't get confused and you know where you're going. And yeah, it's it's not too bad. It's manageable. Yeah. Like Southwest is one of my favorite airlines. And whenever I fly into Miami, it's going to be in the Fort Lauderdale just because Southwest kind of focuses on more like the exterior type of airports versus like the main airport like in Miami. And then so obviously we want people to come to Miami and have a great time there, but Miami is also a big jumping off point to the Caribbean and to Europe and, and some of the other countries there too, right? You mentioned that there are some uh, some budget airlines that really have some great fares to some international destinations. Yeah, it's unbelievable. Just because it's so close, I actually miss the fares that I would get there. I mean, I just every day, just insane deals, $70 round trip to Aruba, $200 round trip to Peru, you know, Colombia, Ecuador, those are right there four hours away. Cancun, easily at any point in time under $200 round trip, you know, anywhere really in Mexico, Mexico City, all of those places that are just kind of within a hop, skip and a jump away are so easy to access. Puerto Rico, Cuba, all kinds of places. Even Europe, like you said, they started doing overnight flights to Iceland or London or you know Madrid or Lisbon. So it really is easy to access a lot of places from there. Yeah, I think it's one of those things where if people are planning for an international trip, they may want to actually just go through Miami, hang out there for a few days, and then continue on to their vacation, right? Why not? Yeah, that sounds like a plan to me. You kind of double dip on your vacation planning, right? Absolutely. <laughs> so we, we only have a few more minutes left, but one thing I, I really don't want to miss is the food of Miami. Obviously, you, you talked about Little Havana and uh, some great places I know that are there and some of the other different local flavors that are available in Miami. Let's talk about some of them. I recommend going to a Cuban restaurant, a Cuban bakery, anywhere where you can get Cuban food. And it's not going to be hard to find because You'll go to the Walgreens in Little Havana and you'll find that they have a Cuban kind of pastry shop set up next to the cashier. It's the first Walgreens I've ever <laughs> seen with that. Um, never in my life, except for the one on like 8th Street, Little Havana. There's a good restaurant that's very popular, just very common too. It's a franchise. You'll see it in a lot of places. It's very cheap. So it's just nothing, you know, overly pretentious, but it just, it hits the spot. It's such good comfort food. It's called La Carreta. And people love it. Like it's it's open late. A lot of them open 24 hours. So you can really go and eat at any point in time, just really good, hearty Cuban food, you know, big eggs for breakfast, you know, ropa vieja or rice and beans for dinner. I also recommend getting to these bakeries yourself. So I love 
the croquetas, I love the empanadas, all of these kind of little baked goods that they have. So what people will do is they'll go and they'll make a box and they'll pick, you know, 20 things from the window, get a little box of pastries to go with you for like less than 10 bucks. It's amazing. Oh, wow. That's really cool. And that way you can like, you can sample and share with everybody too. Absolutely. And you'll be the most popular guy there. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So, cause obviously the you know, Cuba is really close to Miami. So you have a, a huge Cuban influence. Are there other types of restaurants that are available there that you really recommend? There are. There's a lot of high-end restaurants. It really depends on what you want. Miami changes so much, so you can constantly have different new pop-ups coming up. I have a friend that that actually owns a restaurant where he has like different kind of cereals and things like that. And there's another kind of really renowned restaurant where they have like high-end brunch. So there's really all kinds of places you can eat. I do recommend stepping outside of South Beach if you want to have like a good place to eat. Some of the other places where you can go are like Coral Gables. That area, you'll find some really nice restaurants for less of the hype and actually more quality food. Okay. Like your friend's restaurant with the cereal. What's the name of that one? I'm trying to think of it, but off the top of my head, it's not coming to me. I'm so sorry. I'm trying to think of it. All I can remember was the item on the menu. Obviously, (laughs) I have really fat tendencies because I don't even remember where I would get it, but I remember that it's like really delicious (laughs) French toast flavored. So I apologize, but I can get that to you to add that to the notes. I was trying to think of it as I was speaking, but they have fancy restaurants. They have restaurant week about twice a year. Well, they'll have like Capitol Grill and things like that. That'll have, you know, different meals for discounted prices. Okay. But I recommend getting off the beaten path. I do recommend going into these little mom and shop bakeries. One of my favorite bakeries is called Carla Bakery. It's actually right in the middle of Little Havana and they have different, you know, franchises and locations as well, so you don't necessarily have to be right there. Sergio's is right by the airport and they actually I think have a, a Sergio in Fort Lauderdale Airport, not in Miami Airport, which makes no sense. But they serve pastries as well and they're great. So there's a lot of places where you can get really really good food there. Nice. And then if we're eating all this delicious food, uh, we need to be able to work it off so that way we can show up to the beach with our bathing suits and not have to buy ones that are three sizes larger. What are some of the things to do? I, I know dancing is a, is a big thing in Miami. Dancing is a big thing. You can go to a place called Ball and Chain where they have live music, they have salsa dancing, and it's better than kind of like the mangoes that you would find on South Beach, which is, you know, more of a exclusive vibe. You'll see that when you go to South Beach, you have all these clubs that have velvet lines outside and they want to make it seem like they're extra packed and everybody's just dying to get in. You could go to those clubs. There's lots of different places there. I have friends that actually run space that has been there for a while. It's not one of those kind of transitionary places. So it doesn't have a new name every couple of years, but that's more in the downtown area, very much for electronic music. But if you want a relaxed scene where you don't have to kind of dress up in your finest or think that you're going to be denied at the door, I definitely recommend going to Purdy Lounge. It's close to South Beach area, but it's just, you know, a few blocks away from the beach. And it's amazing. It's kind of old school hip hop that they play. There's places where you can sit. It, it's more of a lounge setting and they're not as pretentious. So that that's a good kind of hiding place. Yeah. I remember when I was there probably 15 years ago, back when I was actually going to clubs before I had kids and everything. And one thing I, I remember is that the, the bars didn't close until like four five, six o'clock in the morning and they would serve alcohol until like all hours of the night. And it's way different than a lot of other places in the U.S., is that still the case where the liquor keeps basically flowing all night long? Yes. So you start going out around 11 p.m. Like that's early, but that's what time you should start going out. And then around 2 a.m. is when things start to really hit their peak in terms of activity and nightlife, you know, drinking, things like that. 
people start to go home around maybe four, five, six, but the people who don't go home will choose to go to after hours and they can go to like space from like six to nine and then afterwards to like Nikki Beach to keep partying the next morning. Oh my God. Yeah. I don't have that type of stamina anymore. <laughs> it's intense. I mean, you really can do that lifestyle if you're there, but I'm beyond it at this point. I'm a little bit too old to maintain that, but it's fun if that's what you want. If you want to party, Miami will provide that in spades. Yeah. The way you're mentioning it actually gives me the memories back when I went there that first time and somebody recommended like a really hot club. We got there, like you said, around 11 o'clock and the place was absolutely empty. And we thought we got catfished or something, you know, and we're sitting around like, okay, well, let's just have a beer. Let's hang out for a little bit. And then around midnight, more and more people start showing up. And like you said, just throughout the night, it just got bigger and bigger and bigger. And we're like, what is going on? We were kind of hating life the next morning because we went to the football game. We got about three hours of sleep. Not a really good idea to, <laughs> to go to the football game the next day on three hours of sleep. But uh, it was definitely a blast when we went there. So Jen has so much more information that we're going to have in the show notes. A lot of really great information so far. But it's time for the final countdown. So Jen, if a traveler only had time for one meal in Miami, where should they go and what should they eat? I think they should go for croquetas. They're these deep fried pastries that have ham and cheese inside and they are the quintessential Cuban kind of fast thing to eat and you can have it with a cafecito. You should go to Little Havana and go to one of the bakeries that I mentioned, like Carla Bakery, to have that. Okay, and then during your time in Miami, what's one of your most memorable stories? Well, it's hard to forget being in a sprinkle pool at the Museum of Ice Cream. So that's a pop-up that came there. It actually, I think, started in San Francisco. But what I love about Miami is that everything makes its way to Miami. I actually have been waiting to go to Japan and do Mario Kart in the streets. And Mario Kart in the streets is coming to Miami um, because <laughs> everything makes its way there. The Museum of Ice Cream was a wonderful experience. I went with two girlfriends and we just had a day. We got to kind of go and swim in a sprinkle pool and taste ice cream throughout. And it was excellent. So you got to explain what a sprinkle pool is. It's a pool of sprinkles. Like there's no water or anything. It's just like, it's almost like a ball pit at Chuck E. Cheese, but it's just sprinkles. Correct. Oh my God. It's <laughs> That's like so over the top. That's really cool. It is. <laughs> That's Miami. Right on. So <laughs> speaking of happy places, where's the happiest happy hour in Miami? So hands down, the best bar in Miami where I would go for a drink is the Broken Shaker. It's at a hostel called The Freehand. It's in a little kind of lounge area outside. They have board games, they have chairs, they have a pool, but the drinks are amazing. They're handcrafted. The bartenders really take their time. They really make different recipes every day. They take care into the garnish and everything they do there. So it's not just a drink. It's more like a concoction. Nice. And so if somebody was traveling to Miami, would you recommend staying at that hostel? Like say if they're not looking for like the overall hotel experience, but so something like a, a really cool, like cheap place to stay? Sure. Just understanding that it's always going to be busy. So I don't know that it'll be your quietest sleep, but if you're not planning on sleeping, definitely. All right. Cool. Cool. <laughs> <laughs> I may be past those days. I like to have my sleep <laughs> as long as my kid isn't like kneeing me or elbowing me in the back while I'm trying to sleep. But, yes. uh, you know, <laughs> one of the things I like to do whenever I travel and, and is try to get like the local flavors of pizza. So where's the best place for pepperoni pizza in Miami? So the best place for pizza, in my opinion, this is subjective, but I love Pizza Rustica. It's actually by the beach and there's different locations. You can find them in Fort Lauderdale as well. But I love that they're kind of like a higher end pizza. It's not just 
you know, I love greasy pizza, but it's so good and they really have all kinds of different varieties. And you can go at 3 a.m. and really see some interesting people in line there. So just going there is an experience in and of itself. You never know who's coming like from the club at 3 a.m. to get pizza from Pizza Rustica. So really just waiting in line. It's people watching at its finest. But the food there is really good. Like I love the pizza there. It's a square pizza. It's not an actual triangle slice. And they slice it up like six different pieces. And I eat two of those pizzas. So that's like 12 pieces of pizza and I just devour it. That sounds delicious. (laughs) (laughs) So Jen, you and I, we've been friends for a number of years now, but can you tell us a little bit about who you are and what it is that you do? Yes, sure. So I used to be an attorney and I recently transitioned to travel blogging and writing full time. So now I am an author. I have three books out on Amazon. My newest book, The Solo Female Travel Book is actually about solo travel and it documents some of my stories just around the world on my own and puts some of my best tips for safety, you know, what to wear, how to get these solo travel pictures, all the questions that I get asked that I've been asked over the last couple of years. So I've been to more than 30 countries now and I, and I travel mostly on my own. I used to travel a lot while employed full time. So I like to help kind of young professionals find a balance with that and realize that they don't need to just work all the time and not have any time for play. And that travel can really be such a good release, even if you're not going all the way across the world, that you can really find that kind of refuge and that sanctuary even somewhere here locally in the U.S. No, exactly. And a lot of things we've talked about in the past, that it's amazing what you can accomplish in a weekend. Absolutely. Oh my goodness. I've gone overseas. Like I've really, I have gone to Europe for a weekend, which is intense. Um, but, <laughs> but I, when I stay and I've go to closer places, I mean, if you plan your day ahead of time, if you know that you're going to wake up and you have a schedule and you're not spending time being like, Oh, where should I go? How do I get there? If you like really research, you can make the most out of that time and see so much in a short, you know, just 48 hours. Like it's been, I was all over Cuba in 48 hours, all over. And I saw, you know, 20 different things in San Francisco in two days, just kind of having a schedule, having my things planned out ahead of time, buying tickets. So it can be done. And Miami's a great place to do it. Exactly. I almost look at it as like like an appetizer of, of a destination. You know, you go there, sample some of the highlights. And at that point, you can decide whether or not you want to come back for, you know, four, five, six days. Absolutely. And I have to note before we end that people should definitely check out the Perez Art Museum in Miami and the Frost Museum of Science. Those are two big draws if you're going with any with a family or if you just are a big nerd like me. I definitely recommend those two venues. Like They're amazing and they're going to be so much fun. Oh, fantastic. Thank you for those recommendations. So if somebody wants to connect with you, what's the best way? Uh, your website, your social media handles, what's the best way to reach you? So you can reach me at my website is jenonajetplane.com. Jen on a jet plane is my social media handle everywhere. So I'm on Twitter, Pinterest, Instagram, just at Jen on a jet plane, or you can email me if you'd like. I always am happy to talk to readers. And that's just that Jen Ruiz at Jen on a jet plane.com. I follow Jen uh, on all the social media handles. And as much as I travel, I'm always jealous of seeing all the cool places that Jen goes on Instagram. So definitely follow her there and check those out. Thank you. (laughs) So Jen, thanks for being on the show. It's been a pleasure. And uh, we look forward to seeing you when we travel there. I appreciate that. Thank you so much. There is a definite Cuban influence in the local community, and Jen shared some of her favorite restaurants and pastry shops that I'll sample during my next visit. What is your favorite thing you learned about Miami, Florida? Please let us know in the show notes at wetravelthere.com forward slash Miami, or log into the We Travel There podcast community on Facebook. 
Join us in the next episode when we meet up with Jonathan of JoniTalks.com in Oslo, Norway, where we'll go on a ski jump, see the famous screen painting, and eat an afternoon lompe. We hope you join us when we travel there. If you've enjoyed this podcast episode, please share it with your friends and tell them what you like most. Make sure you subscribe, that way you don't miss any of our upcoming destinations.